Hell yeah. This has been a long time in the making. Uh, I'm Rusty Kelly. This is the Breathing Problem Productions podcast. Uh, I'm with my close friend. I've known Charlie since I was 14 years old. Um, we'd known each other through thick and thin, and we I'd been trying to do this forever. But, you know, I'm a weirdo. <laughs> Life's weird. Uh, but we finally got it to happen. So I think this is we're going to just kind of be loose about this. Like, For I just sure. wanted to get into talking about life and music it's funny to think about because i was thinking about how you interviewed total abuse for maximum rock and roll in like 2007 or something and i don't know i just remember you had to literally get everyone in a room and like interview us that was very funny and i i don't think it was published for for like two three no it was like 2011 when it was published which is also funny to think about uh yeah. I didn't think somebody had to go back in there and make some edits and then... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe talk a it. tiny little bit closer to this thing. Yeah, actually, can you turn... Can you turn me down? Yeah, yeah. Just in the monitor. Oh, yeah, here. So you've got this guy, you're number two, so so like... Oh, and this is just the monitor doesn't affect the... Yeah, yeah. What's in there? Okay. So you can mess... I think oh, yeah, that perfect. should work. I don't know, is it? Let me see. Hello, hello. Okay, good, good, good. You can I want to hear down. myself just not like... As insane. Maxed out, yeah. Yeah, I'm like... I like NPR level. Yeah. I'm like living uh maybe i'll get in the groove though i'm already turning back up yeah yeah see uh yeah what were you saying something about that that interview oh the interview oh uh, i don't know it was it was a funny interview from olden times yeah yeah uh more irreverent than you than would be today it was uh, just mainly just funny to think about I think we lied and said it was at a Binnigan's. i don't know where oh, we actually yeah we, we had like a fun like yeah almost like it was a, a vice article like or like regional. big brother or something. yeah yeah i guess that's probably the better better matchup um so, we met, I think, I'm from Austin, Charlie was originally from Houston, and we met, I believe, because you had a friend named Stuart, who ran a label called Friends Forever Records. Friends Forever Records, big shout out Stuart Anderson. That uh, had put out a record slash demo by this project that we both love called Die Emperor Die. Die Emperor Die, still holds up. And it's like emo, it's like mid-90s emo that, uh, anyway, I think is like one of the best of, of like the, whatever you want to call it. Later. Like later, yeah. the end of, of, of emo. Um, but I remember Stuart asked a band I was in called I Shoot Lightning, I Shoot Lightning. that was like a literal like locust. Locust, yeah. Like, Three-inch CD kind of. Yeah, yeah, three-inch CD, like... Uh, we wore costumes. We all wore pink skirts. Anyway, I still have a t-shirt. Yeah, a t-shirt. Uh, but we played some kind of like it was like a hardcore matinee at the Southmore House. Or it was like is the that Southmore what? House, and it was and I think Doug Hart's band played as well. The, the Raw Bras, maybe that was a. Di- I might have been a different show because we used the Bras used to play with us all the ice lighting, but it was like a it was I remember it was some kind of like art gap like art you know that was like an art space that was open to the like street almost i don't know whatever Mm. whatever but i anyway there was like nobody there which is like par for the course of that era because i like the ideas like we're gonna do hardcore matinees like it's like new york city yeah yeah like there's gonna be 200 kids yeah i'm gonna take the l to no 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 (laughs) yeah (laughs) nobody's fucking there yeah yeah but i remember Mm -hmm. meeting you talking you on aim afterwards aim for sure and make you know just whatever t- goofing off but i also remember that you were like a 
you were a voracious poster on the Houston hardcore board. Houston hardcore board. You were like infamous, board. right? Absolutely. I, I think to this day I still. <clears throat> so it was. This is a message board in the old fashion, like the kind that only had one page and it would right. go like a BBS a list. system. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was a black and purple <laughs> thing, and I was like very. I was a very contentious little, you know. Yeah. I wanted to say, don't say. How old were you? I mean, at the I was like 12, right. 13, and I was like cracking on people for saying gay and stuff. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it was really, I was. You, yeah, you were PC. I was. I was. <laughs> you were woke. I was. And, uh, and I was like, you know, I would go kind of go at all these people. And then, and the, well, here's a funny story from that is I remember some of those, your friends, some of your friends, from, so some of the Philly people call me Steak Knife because. There's a story where I, I think it was either the first Pride Kills show or the first Your Mistake show, and those are two cool Houston hardcore bands. But at one of those, it was it was a Missouri City Park, Missouri City suburb of Houston, where Zero is from. Would go out there, and the day the day before though, somebody had said, "I'm gonna kill you, like I'm gonna fucking kill you," because of the message board. Because of the you message would talk board. Shit. Yeah, and this was again, like I said, it's not you don't even have accounts. You right, just right. type your name. So you know, it's a uh, it was an anonymous threat. Uh, but I was like, okay, and I so I put a steak knife, and I had this like Barbie metal vintage Barbie like a metal lunchbox that was my my mom's. Oh shit! And so I put a steak knife in that, and I just took it to the shop. Whoa! And I was like, uh, that's like a weird like club kid vibe though. Right. Too, I, and didn't I have to use it. Obviously, no, I didn't. Did I didn't. you learn like a lesson of like, oh, I people did. are uh, gonna do shit? Right. But I think at that point it felt like it was boiling over. Like I was like. I made so many people mad that I, I can remember literally reading your threads. <laughs> like I was an Austin person reading a Houston hardcore board and seeing people literally lose it at you. And, uh, but I'm sure also there's plenty of people that know you because of that. Or oh like, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there were people, and it'd be, people like, you know, that I can name a, a, a litany of people that like stood up for me, even though they were on not my side, they were like, okay, this kid's a good element. Yeah. 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 Cliff. All the, Gabe, these certain these people that you know pair these people are always like I was probably saying shit to them too, but they had the <laughs> the perspective right yeah, to be like oh no this is kind of a cool thing this kid's like stirring this little shit, up. shit yeah 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 they dug it kind of which I respect a lot more now because you know I can get annoyed by some younger person probably yeah yeah like, that's kind of cool that people had a, some people had a positive perspective on it and then. I also remember you, by the way, saying like you were super mad you could go to a Seven Angels Seven Plague show that your dad. At side note, that's completely you true. You were like that freaking I, out, like because I I didn't have a curfew until I was um, like fifteen, <laughs> and so I was like li- literally, you know, just and I was straight edge. It's not like I was crazy, but right. I was like gonna go to the show, and I was like gonna just stay till the end of the show right. on this week, and I was gonna stay over at a friend's house because that was the rule, right. And uh, I had a friend named Brian who's, whose dad owns the, the Ritz strip clubs in Houston. Oh, nice. Brian. I love this guy. And uh, and so I would go stay at his house. And that actually, this is a good m- moment, I, uh, we would watch True Romance. Like, and he had this, his sister, Amy, who wore these typo negative shirts. Whoa. It was a cool family. His dad would go get kolaches. That's a Texas movie. I don't yeah. Know, you know. And uh, and I, I that's where I really started, where I really fell in love with True Romance. Because we would oh, go yeah. watch that coming home after coming home from a show. That's a great like, like post show movie, yes, don't you think? Yeah. Um, well, I guess it's interesting. I think we started talking, and at some point, because I was I was at that point, I would go to Houston. I would take the Greyhound from Austin to Houston, and 
hang out with mutual friends that we had. I can remember, I assume you're like, you can, if you come to Austin, you can just sleep over at my house. Totally. I remember your dad picking me up in some kind of sports car. I don't know what oh, he yeah. had. Oh, yeah. It's a, it was a, a Porsche, but then it was converted into a roof, an RUF, which is just like some, its own thing. Its own thing. Like a custom, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. So Greg picks you because you can't sit like three people in it. So he picks you up and he's. No, it was crazy because I remember being like, I've never been in a car that is this close to the like street. Yeah. you know yeah. and he was just like hey how you doing your friends with my son yeah and then just like and that was it the downtown streets of houston and i think that's funny because i've i've had uh your stepdad mark right drive right. me to the ground in his little like old he makes, more vintage yeah, yeah he made like his my stepdad was into uh like what are they fucking called like muscle hot rods, hot rods. That, yeah. yeah he would make his own so and so you're just like in an awkward situation totally of having nothing, with your friends, like, nothing to say to the person. Like, so how are you doing? You going to school tomorrow? Right, whatever. right. Um, and I, okay, so I think, but one thing you were mentioning before we started recording is that we were both, we we were friends because of hardcore, but we were both into different shit. Like we, we both really liked mid-90s emo um, when it was kind of something that you were into one thing or the other in a vague way. Right. And you were also, I don't know, I feel like I would go to your house, you had an insane record collection, like you lived, you, your dad lived in like a kind of like a townhouse. Yeah, that's because we lived with this this woman that he had married and that I would call an evil witch. <laughs> so it was like you were in this room. Tiny little room, but it was stacked up. Yeah, it was, I, I, I have literally a mental picture don't of you? it. it like, you had a giant bed, at least to me, it was pretty big, and it basically took up the whole room. There was a, a huge Ikea thing Ikea. of records. Yeah. And then a giant... And then you had a TV. It seemed big, but maybe... I think it was big for then. Yeah, yeah. I liked, you know, your smaller things seemed bigger, but it was big. I had, like, a, a 90s bachelor dad yeah. that was just, like, you know, he would get a big TV, and then he'd be like, okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, this is, you know... I. This speaks to my privilege, I guess, in some way. But I, I, I had a fucked up life in other ways. Yeah, yeah. You know, but sure, my, we, we, you know, had a. But I think it was funny. I still live like that. Like, all these things crammed. Anyways. Yeah, yes. yeah, and like, I can, you know, I just remember mainly not, like, we were both kind of kids. Like, my mom was probably a little more hands on, where it was just kind of like do your thing, at least when you're with your friends. And right, I can remember ordering pizza hang out but one thing i do remember immediately seeing is you had told me that you had just met been to like a thing where miyazaki like the anime film guy this is true so i have a i have i have two funny uh miyazaki ghibli related stories i feel like i got it laid yeah out. do it and in fact i'm gonna do the other the other one first okay, okay. do you remember the other one no i don't know the other one where uh so there was this incredible movie theater in houston called Greenway Plaza, mm -hmm. and it was on my way home from, walking home from school from Lamar, and it was like underground, basically, literally, and it was like, and you had to go through a parking garage, and then it's like kind of like this weird dead mall, mm -hmm. it was so cool, and they would, it was like the art house one, and I, I liked it, I never went to River Oaks, because, so I wasn't even sad when that shit happened, <laughs> and you know, one time I think you and I tried to go see a movie there, and I, I got refused, because I oh. was not 17. Oh, yeah, that's insane. Uh, but uh, anyways, Greenway uh, I go see Princess Mononoke, and my, you know my dad. My dad and I are in you know, a huge. Our relationship is predicated on going to see the movies, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe like Astros. But you know, so he, 
even if he's not interested in the movie, we would just, it's like, why not? Right. right. And, uh, and so Princess Mononoke was having its theatrical run there, but uh, the American movie guys were tabling out in the hallway. Oh, shit. And, um, and so I go in, I watch the entire movie, mm-hmm. and I'm like, where the fuck is Greg? What the fuck is right. this guy doing? Right, right. And I go out, and he's still, he chatted with him the entire movie. And my dad, he's... So your dad was hanging out with the two American, American movies guys. And, uh, American movie guys. And, uh, you know, the movie hadn't come out yet. They were, like, tabling in advance for it. Whoa. Or, you know, it hadn't come out. Right. On a theatrical run. And, uh, and my, you know, Greg still has not seen that movie. And I'm like, you're crazy. It's so good. But he had, like, d- he been able with... to be like, hey, yeah. my son's seeing a cartoon. You want to chill kind of right, thing? Right, 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 right. <laughs> Like, uh, oh, so, oh, yeah, so, the, and then the other one was, uh, there was, I saw, I met Hayao Miyazaki at a Spirited Away, essentially a premiere mm-hmm. kind of thing, stateside premiere, maybe a premiere of the dub. Like a promo thing. Right, and it was at uh, Pixar in California, um, I went with, my, with Greg's friend Peter, and uh, Peter was like, it's kind of a genius guy, and I don't know if this was like part of the deal or if he hustled <laughs> it up, but I got to go, you know, ask Hayao Miyazaki a few, go two questions through his translator. Whoa. Yep. And I, I, I only remember one of the two and neither of them were profound. I was just like a fucking dork. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, and I was also shocked and awful as a crowd. I liked Evangelion as well. Right. And so I had noticed in the ending credits for Evangelion at some point it credited, you know, Kane X, right, right, right. Credited uh, Miyazaki for something, a mm-hmm. special thank you, and I, I so I asked about his involvement, and I think, so his answer was through translator, but it was, um, I think he was like very, you know, also shocking, but he was very humble, and I think he was just like, oh, it was an animation help out, like I was just I helping them the with kids, it, which uh, is even cooler. If yeah, Hayao yeah, Miyazaki's totally. working on the nitty gritty of it, of like, yo, we'll do some kind of like. I'll, maybe I'll lend some animators to you guys or some weird right. thing like or that. Or I think even personally. You might. Whoa, yeah. that's sick. It was, it, I, I was impressed by that. And then there's, did you get a picture with I feel like there's a picture There's with a picture. You. I have a picture. Yeah. Yep. And I, I haven't, I, I wish I knew where it was, but um, it was very cool. We were out on this little balcony at, um, at Pixar. And Cliff Clavin was there because I think he did the voice in some um, Ghibli English subs and so but that tripped me out because as a kid <laughs> I was also into Cheers right and so I was like holy fuck. it was like double yeah 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 <laughs> well I mean I think that's what's interesting is like we both we love music and movies and result you know no shock there that people who like art like all that stuff but it's it's I think we bonded in some way over like both both of our my dad died when I was young your mom died and our parents yeah. are, I love my mom. They're just oh, characters, yeah. I, love my dad I think. Too, but they're both characters. Yeah. Yeah, and right. I think we, there was, we bonded over just, I don't know, you know, having interesting, you know, childhoods that I think we didn't even have to really talk about that deeply. It was just like, That's hey, so we true. get it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've talked about that the least. I mean, I know all the facts of yours. I think you know all the facts right. of mine. But I think, like, it comes up the least between us because we're just so like unsaid about it. oh yeah, totally yeah. and i think you know being kids that are like voraciously interested even before we met each other in art and music and you know it 
I don't know. There's just like this thing where it's like, you don't, you know, you're, you know, I'm the kind of person that like when I went to camp, I would just talk to people like, did you know this blah, 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 like album yeah. or this book, blah, blah, blah. And people would be like, shut up, Rusty. What, <laughs> like the counselors would be like, what are you talking? Because I would just, I'm like, maybe it's like an autistic thing, right, right. you know, where I would just bring up facts that yeah. I knew. And I'm I, to this day unable to resist that. You know, where I, you I, just want to share something yeah, that you love with yeah, people. Absolutely. And I think that was what was interesting. It was like completely our language was just like connected as absolutely. to like when we hang out with each other, it's just like boom, boom, boom. Every time. And and so I guess we haven't people don't know how old we are. That I'm trying to think. So I'm thirty four. And probably fourteen. Is that what we think? We yeah, because you're eighty eight, I'm eighty seven. We probably know each other. Is that 20? Yeah, what, since uh, 2000, let's say three? Yeah, that's almost 20 years. Close, close to 20 years. Yeah, it's insane. Um, I think um, it's it's just interesting also, like, you know, we, you know, we're always going to show, I, I, I mean, I can remember hanging out with you, just talking about, like, just thinking of the, all the different it wasn't just, oh, we were into hardcore emo or whatever. I can remember, right. like, being in a car with you, listening to, like, Man is the Bastard and then, like, DJ Screw, DJ Screw or whatever. Right. Yeah, because I, I, I did. I, have a, I had a tape deck in my first car, and uh, <laughs> I only, you know, I only had it for a few months because I then I had to take about six or seven years off driving. Yeah, Again, yeah. I was a straight-edge youth. I was just piss poor at driving. Nobody yeah. taught me. Well, yeah, and uh, it was like it was it was like okay, you got into some crashes, and yeah. then it's over. It wasn't like your yeah, dad was, no, was like, "Let's figure this out." Okay. No, oh no, it was yeah, but I got in, you know I got in like five accidents in three months. <laughs> okay, Just well, yeah. nobody took me to the library and was like, "This is how you drive," and I didn't even have to pass a test. I just oh took this yeah, class. I actually had to. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was like a slacker thing. This you know our, our <laughs> guy that would give us our driving hours would show up, not show up. Oh right, right. And so I I'd only driven for one hour when I had a car. Oh my god! In my whole life. So, but anyways, yeah, I I had this tape deck, and I remember listening. I would go. This sounds like, you know. This sounds like I'm just making it up to sound cool, but right. when I the first thing I did when I got a car, was I was like I would go to the places that my friends wouldn't give me rides to, which would be like maybe go out to Vinyl Edge out in the when it was out in the suburbs, but also go to the Screw Store, mm -hmm. and I would go like once a week and just buy three tapes. You know, I left tapes in people's cars. Right. Right. I, I've really, and now that kills me because I don't think I have any of right. them. Right, but. Well, I mean, I think that says also something to like, you know, sorry, we're going to have, we're going to have to talk about like what it is to have to look through. I think we're the first digital kid generation of being able to download and look up music, but still having to look for music in a kind of archaeological way of right. finding and, bands. And I'll say, yeah, and I was, I'll say the screw thing at that point, you know, YouTube was not it yet. So it was, you really had to. And yeah. It was fucking cool. I mean, they you could still go buy a tape at ten bucks a pop, and I mean tape, not CD, until the year I moved away in two thousand six right. when I moved to Austin. That you could still, and so I mean, I would get you know whatever little money I could, and I, Sound Exchange was obviously even more the thing. But um, Screw was a big part of that car. But I remember listening to a lot of I liked Me as the Bastard DIY That's CD. Yeah, yeah, that was one. And I remember Shoe Shoe was something I liked at that moment and still do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I remember, I'm sure that there was some, like... At, at the time, also, I think it's interesting. It, 
in in Houston and Austin, I don't know. People, no one else is going to talk about this. I think it's interesting because I really loved the emo music, and I kind of wished I had, you know, oh, yeah. been we, around Cupertino, in the mid '90s. We wish we were at the yeah. You know, we this wish is, we were in the library, just like we were around for like the Blood Brothers. At, you know, the end of the San Diego SASS era for like which I was not into Blood Brothers, but you yeah were. That yeah was yeah a market. I was not into SASS as much. Yeah, think I mean you won that round, uh, <laughs> but like. Uh, I think it's interesting how also at the time, like, like uh, Houston had a thing called Hands Up Houston that was like a, a basically it was like a booking collective, essentially, right? That's true. And um, and I'll say, you know, speaking to the to the 90s emo thing that we were both into is, uh, you know, Bucky at Sound at Soundwaves um, mm-hmm. was this guy who, you know, anyone from Houston would know, will know this guy. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, this guy really had dead stock Mohinder records that I still own. Right. And, you know, all kinds of stuff like that where it was a really a very cool resource. And he, you know, he, I'm going in there asking for whatever. And he really kind of set you on the right track. And oh, way. yeah. Same for me even, right. too. People you you would even say, out. oh, you got to talk to this dude, right. Bucky, because he'll be stoked if you mention this band and he'll tell you what else to listen right. to. And, you know, and it was priced appropriately. You know, we're talking about dead stock. Mohinder or like Seisha and it's three dollars. Yeah, you know yeah. he's a that's some cool shit to do and to show to a kid because I think I still life was the band that I first knew about from nineties yeah, yeah. emo and in fact uh, two thousand one was I think when I got my first record player. Whoa! And uh, and I, the first thing I did was Madness. And the, I, I bought like a you know in Houston on Westheimer, bought the record player, still have it, and then there was a, a record store just kind of right around you know same street and i got a snapcase record and a jets to brazil record <laughs> and but really those were just holdovers because i had ordered uh still life madness in the gackle oh sick from, like very distro or whatever yeah. and i was like oh my god so that was like the reason i bought a record player yeah still life. i it's interesting to think like at the time like you know, we were into really, uh, you know, to me, it was always lots of talk about discovering weird sidebands, but like the era of Houston that was, you know, even in Austin, it was like, it's just interesting thing about underground music. It was essentially what I would call like indie people. Indie like, so, and, oh, so I was, I named one person from Hands Up Houston, but there also one was the, the guy, uh, Mr. Walker, who wrote this Houston, the Houston rap books. Right. And all that. And he was in a pretty good, a great band called Port Vale. Right. Uh, and uh, it just int- so it was these guys, but you know that was an entire era. Like I would go see two or three nights a week. I would go to these shows because they were all all ages mostly. I guess they were mostly all ages. Yeah, but you know I would go see things I didn't even quite know the whole history of, like right. Dirty Three. Right, and I would go see this band and be bowled over. I'd be like, oh my god, right, this is really amazing. Like, you know, I go out and you know it's just this instrumental thing, and they're going crazy, and I'm like. You know, they, they really, I I have to thank all the people, especially in Houston, uh, that, you know, the indie culture f- back then, I, I just wish that I felt like that about music now. Like, I wish Yeah, I w- that's what I mean. Like, it felt like there was, like, a vibe of, like, even though we weren't around for, like, 90s hardcore punk, there was this DIY vibe that was, like, people were totally devoted, they truly cared, Absolutely. and even if some of the bands I was, like, a snob about or sure. didn't know... It was like we're ch- gonna try to make every show cheap and all ages. And I think it's it's weirder to say that I that we saw the end of that. We did. Where finally people were like, "Fuck it, whatever." 
like just we'll just promote the Fuck giant it. bands that are being like yeah that are be kind like the way indie became a much bigger I guess indie became on indie and that's I, I'm yeah you know, it just you just became a booking company that dealt with like maybe smaller bands I mean I guess you know whatever the pair I'm not gonna try to say the name sorry Timmy uh, Parakeet Courts or whatever yeah, yeah. are on Obama's playlist you know it's a uh, No, Parquet Courts is on Obama's, Obama's playlist, playlist, and no you know, hate on them or anything. Yeah, not, no, just... not at all, not at all. But but it was a. F- I think there was this cool era from. I mean, I started going to, to shows. I think the first show I ever went to, I think, was in 1999. Uh huh. And uh, it might have been 2000, but I think it was 99. It was Agnostic Front, Straight Faced, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean the first, you know. I'd seen Kiss. Right, right. Know, but this was the, the, you know, I'd seen Nugent. This was the first time I re- went to a true show. And I think it was the only hardcore show that my dad, my Greg, went with, went with me to. Oh, weird. And uh, and he was, we, you know, we were walking out of it. It was at Fitzgerald's in Houston, now canceled and maybe shut down. But it, it was he was like, that was all right. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> you know, he he, that. Yeah, yeah. He was, and, so, and so it was funny. He took me to one show after that. Right. And it was... Uh, for Bottom to Ashes show. Yeah. At a, a stageless, you know, VFW type thing Fuck. in Houston called, and we called The Lodge. And, uh, <laughs> what did he do? Just chill And this was with Willow, who now is like um, a pit master in Houston at, you know, I think very successful in what he does. Unfortunately, I still have not had his barbecue. Mm-hmm. I'm dying to. Yeah. But Willow had this thing, Hate Tank, and it was, you know, we book hardcore shows. And, uh, and so it was From Bottom to Ashes. And it was uh, a band called Black Child Avatar, who later became Sincerely Yours. And they were from um, Victoria, Texas. Oh, wow. And it was the first time I saw Corpse Paint live. Oh, shit. And uh, and they were a very cool band. So, But from Mom to Ashes plays, right? And uh, oh, the point of this was that, you know, basically I got dropped off and I didn't have a ride home. Oh, shit. So I'm like, I think it's 2001. I'm 13 and I, I have to get a ride home. Mm-hmm. I have no other way. And so I'm just like, okay. You know, it taught me something about social skills. Right. I was like, okay, I've got all these kids are older. (laughs) They're not kids. And I have to, like, find my way home. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, you know, that day and whatever. Is that where you met Wade? Or is that the story of Wade? So I met Wade at, um, I met Wade at the first Fall Core, Mm -hmm. which is an annual Houston hardcore festival, which Willow also is the creator of. And, uh. And it was the first one. It was Just Short of Living, which featured Nate Grace of mm-hmm. uh, Pure X. Yeah, and, um, and Far From Breaking. Far From Breaking. And Grace and the Grackles, also featuring Wade. Right. And then it, um, and Far From Breaking played, and I'm sure Will Live, and all these bands. And uh, and I was just like a corny little, like, I mean, I'm 12 or 13. I think I was 13. Yeah. And uh, I, I was, it was outside of Fish Trails, and I was, I think I was just like high-fiving. I think I just <laughs> high-fived it. Like on some, I'm sure it was X'd up, everything. And from then, he was like, you know, a great friend to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, very cool. You know, kind of a great hardcore story. We're like, okay, I'm 13. Right. I'm fucking little chump. Mm-hmm. High five. And, uh, and then not that many years later, I mean, you know, one of my best friends were in a band. Right. You know. Which, you know, we're not going to name the band because we love black metal too much, but uh, <laughs> Charlie and Wade uh, were did a 
an amazing project together. You can probably figure out, but for sure, whatever. And and uh, that's a really funny, crazy thing. I love to talk about every aspect. Well, of yeah, it. We, we can fast forward to that. Sure, how we, that was we can talk about this way. because it's a very cool idea that I basically forced the issue. I was like, I, you know, I'm the black metal freak. I'm gonna make this happen, right? Right. right. And you know, it's kind of like when he and I, he's drunk, he'll kind of say yes ish. And it was like a Saturday. This is like 2009, I 2008 see. or 9. It came out in 9. Right. And uh, and I'm like, you know, I'm always bringing it up. And, you know, finally he relents. And I have to also, but he's like, I'm not, he's like, you, you know, I'm not playing bass or something. He has some requirement. And I'm like, so I have to go fetch. Ryfoss. <laughs> and, uh, and so fetch him and we go down. So did... I think I probably, only I think, play guitar. Did he he played he played a little guitar and a little bass on that first okay, one. Okay, okay. And Wade played was, lots of drums too. And good, he played all the drums. Right. And then he played like half, half the, the guitar. guitar. Sometimes he'd take it away from. <laughs> and, but you know it, it was uh so basically I had to, this is the thing I'm essentially out in the woods like with Flint and I'm making this right fire you're making happen. people that do not want to do a black I rode project. my bike over to like RF other guy's Sass. house and. <laughs> You know, like, I think I had a bang on his window. You did? You had, I think yeah. you told me you had to literally wake him up and be like, get the fuck yeah. out of here, get your guitar. It was like a party era, yeah. and I had to, like, wake him up. And, I th- and again, I brought my bike over, so I had to convince him to drive down <laughs> to South Ass Austin. And then Wade also was waking up, and, uh, and Wade's, Wade's wife, Claire, was there also. And I, I maintain to this day that, I mean, I'm sure everyone listening to this has heard someone do a vocal take because you don't get to hear the music, right, you right. just hear the, mm-hmm. and I maintain that Claire has never looked at me the same way. Where she was just like, oh. okay, yeah, yeah. that's Scream, crazy screaming. that you also were doing that while a person's like significant others chilling. Because like, that's a, watching some, some shit stress, on, on by demand. the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Thankfully, I'm I get so in my zone, but right. Uh, so we go over there, we do that, and you were like also compose it. Like you would, didn't you? Would like tell like our Ryan to like. Be like, repeat this, almost oh, like a, oh, like yeah. a like a maestro so, kind of thing. Right. Oh, so we can give a little bit more away here. Is that I think the first song on the first tape is like nine minutes long, or mm-hmm. something. and uh, and that was because that they gave me uh, we had three parts to the song, right? And it was kind of like tell us when to switch, right? So it was all up to me, and I'm just standing in the corner, like, and they're looking at me both, like, okay. I mean, you know, Wade's drum stand stamina is not there yet, and. Everyone's looking at me like, all right, come on. And I was like, no, we're going to keep going. Uh, uh. <laughs> and so that's why that song's so fucking long. Wait, and this wasn't like a practice space? Is that where? No, no, this was really at... Uh, at your house. Ha- Wade spot? lived with um, oh. with this guy named Pete Truth, who was a man called Finer Truth from Houston. Uh, early 2000s, kind of hard yeah, program. Yeah. But um, shout out Pete Truth. But so it was, yeah, it was just in a house where like you know you Claire's watching happen. like on right. demand in right, the living room right. and I I'm howling about whatever <laughs> and uh and so after that happened it you know I showed it you know it came out and he was like okay this and, is actually good right and he was like you know I'll take it it's got to be just you and me now yeah yeah but uh I don't think Ryan is too worried about <laughs> right, that right 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 you know he was like it's got to be just us but uh but let's do it and so without getting too sappy and this will be a nice place to just wrap it up we can talk about whatever but it's it was so cool because i our next two things which were our, our last things mostly right were you know it was like 
if you told your friend you wanted to do something and they just materialized it in front of you. The best version He of played, it. you know, every instrument on it. He's the best guitarist I've ever known. Right. And then, you know, but he also loves to drum because he's so fucking silly. Like, we do have one song and it's, you know, his entire stipulation was that he drum and Jared play guitar. Oh, his brother shit. Jared. So just, you know, an obstinate fucking around. Hell yeah. All, you know? And, uh, that's amazing. Right. But I, I want to say it is so, it's just the, the dream of it all for me was like, okay, I, he wanted me to prove that I could do it. And then once I did that, he was like, okay, I will make this all work. I'll do all yeah, the things yeah, you yeah, can. Totally. And then, um, so I mean, and that's, and we, we can also talk about our thing. Well, yeah. And then I think at the same time we were creating, we can actually name the band Country Club, Country Club. which is you, me and Sean Dean. Sean Shout Dean. out Sean Dean. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, that, I mean, honestly, that was similarly cause you were bugging me like Rusty, we got to do like right. a well, PE you, project. You know, so I'm not going to say, I, I'm not going to say, so I had already been into, into noise, 100%. but, but not in, you know, it was, it was, again, I think we were talking about this earlier, but it wasn't in a substantive way. It was like, I experienced it through like man is the bastard, sissy spacek. I experienced it through like. You know, like Wolf Eyes Yellow, Yellow Swan, Swan. Was like which I, indie adjacent, which actually. I you know I just liked the idea of, but it, it didn't fully click. Yeah, yeah. And so it was for when you showed me like Grey Wolves, Sutcliffe Yugen. Yeah, yeah, like Genocide Organ. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sodality was a huge one for you. That was probably the number one, and probably is my number one. Yeah, yeah. Oh and, yeah. That and to this day perfect. is is when someone says I'm not into noise. You know, when I used to entertain people in my home. Yeah, you know, yeah. When I used to like play actually want to hang out with people. I, I would be like. I'll just play this shit. And, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you can really watch someone's face change, and you're like, and... Um, well, I, I think what was interesting, though, is... And I we talked about this in the, the little zine interview we did for the box that we just yeah. released, that at the time, noise was very, like... Harsh Noise Wall was like a breakout huge thing. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Lorita and... Dorita, and Cherry Point and Vomir, Mania. Vomir. Were, there was a whole thing going on. This is like 2006, 2007. But th- we actually did this in 2008, nine. But like, I think uh, Power Electronics was kind of being reintroduced and talked about in, in, the, in the little noise niche. But I think what's interesting is that you were like, we got to do a project that's more like 90s heavy electronics right. whatever heavy, you want yeah. to call it yeah yeah and it you know we should do it about ruby ridge ruby and ridge. i mean and I, I would say a, a cool thing about our first country club foray was that it was like very much conceptual like it was you know it, yeah, was, yeah. it was like i think the idea was there more than the music even well right and that's there you go that's fucking power electronics right for you, you, know, yeah, you know, i mean I, I would say in some ways power electronics without getting too pretentious is like conceptual noise absolutely it matters greatly the art what your the context titles. is right. because i'm not even gonna fucking check it out if if that's not there right and i think i think that's and i don't think and, and that doesn't mean that the music matters less it's just that part has to be there but I, that, I mean that part 100%. has to be there for anything for me but 100 you know. percent. oh yeah and yeah. i think i can remember you giving me this uh documentary done by the bbc john ronson created it he's one of my favorite uh journalists shout out to that guy he's not listening but shout out he did this documentary about uh the ruby ridge incident and interviewed like all the major players that he could and 
you know, it's just full of like empathy. You know, I think needless yeah. to say, it's not it's not yeah. about whether this guy inter- you know agrees with ex politics or this. Right. Or that. You, can and, just- you know, for me, I think one of my problems with people is that they just can't see things from the other side. So right. this guy, Randy Weaver, right? Um, you know, he moves up to the mountains with his family. His neighbors are militia guys. They're white supremacists. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, yeah. But they, you know, they approach Randy Weaver. It's the ATF that sieges the place, but it's the probably the FBI that approaches him. Right. And they essentially want him to just be a snitch right. on his neighbors. And he wasn't into that was no. the thing. He didn't want to no, I mean, be he, part he, of he, the white supremacist he, group. You know, he talked to his neighbors. Right. But yeah, he, you know, he his he family didn't agree fully. They right. literally just had their own shit going on. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying I'm sure it was weird. I'm sure they were Pentecostal, something weird. I'm sure they were in But it says a lot that he was like, No, I don't I didn't want to like vibe right. with these and, dudes. And to me that's just you know, I'm Sorry, I'm a, a no snitch person, and right, that's right. an unequivocal rule for me. Yeah. And I'll put well, that also getting in, in blood. You know, I 100%. you cannot. It's just not a thing you do. And so he says no. And also, the fuck you you gonna approach a guy who moved to Wyoming right to get away from bullshit? And right. then, let's be honest, you're gonna become involved in like whenever you have to like you know, uh, like do some weird deposition. People are gonna want to kill you. It's just like a whole can of worms. For your own family safety. There's yeah, no yeah. Re- and also just your principled. Yes, fuck you. for sure, for sure. You know that and, too, one hundred percent. And so what they got him on was a failure to 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 go to court if, uh, because it was a gun charge. I think he cut his, right. his and shotgun. even the gun charge. It, I think that might have been installed off right, and which is the most commonplace. But you know, a failure to appear. Right. A failure to appear. I've had a lot of failure, failures. To, <laughs> right. You know, right. I, I, and, I, and and then so his family gets fucking murdered and just his, killed. You know, over. his wife was killed, son was killed, dog was killed. Yeah, as the song goes, and uh, and so, anyways, I don't know if we need all of that, but you know, no, I think that's that, that, that it was, was a great inspiration to me, and well, not in any kind of like you know, it, it, I was a just human like, story about you, know, you really feel like your home is like. The sacred place, right? Right, and and I think also just like fuck the cops, fuck right. the feds. And their direction to the right. feds was, uh, they're likely armed, so shoot first. Right. No totally. shit. Yeah, yeah. Wyoming militia hill. Yeah, yeah. Where all what the f- you know? Yeah, so yeah. you just authorized it, and and this is not my own you know rogue opinion. The government paid money, yeah, millions yeah. to this family. Yeah. And um and you know obviously I don't with respect to any related ideology i think it's great the country club did other things like you right know, we did the move the move bombing which is not to thing. say i'm you know i i just think i'm you know i'm i lo- i think country club is a anti-government Government. yeah yeah i think it's right? about you know but i think if you look at all the the pieces of the trilogy or whatever you want to call it right it's it's about like humanness empathy and fuck you know fuck totally the feds fuck the government totally because i you know i I don't know. I, I'm the most. I think you know. Country Club ha- occupies this strange space of. Um, are we pro-American or do right. we just embrace the fact that we are American? Which Maybe, is what I feel like. We we embrace right. the fact that this is what our reality. Right. And Sean's the third person who's not there. There's there's multiple Love perspectives. You, I yeah. think, um, and meaning like, you know, I, I think that. Uh, Needless to say, we take this all really seriously, and and yeah, we're to me, it's like, and we talked about this in the interview. It's like, maybe there's, it's about like the idea of 
you know, America could be a place that you could essentially disappear and do your own thing oh, at, yeah. at its best. That is the and, best version. And I, that, that, that isn't what these people were able to have. And right. it, so right. without getting too bogged down, we took this project very seriously. Very seriously. And, but here's the, here's the happier part of it. Is, yeah. Okay. I remember I had just moved to Austin in like 2006. Yeah. I was living with Hans Zimmerman and, uh, and Sean had moved here recently. Right. And, um, and so when I moved here, you know, I was about to go to UT, but I was, you know, I had made all these friends here, including the most, and then also, you know, through him, Rusty. And, uh, and so I was just excited to be here, but Sean moved here and he was into the same kind of crazy music that we were. Yeah, he loved noise and noise, black metal. Noise, yeah. neo-folk, black metal, all this. And so we we're all getting along with that. And then Rusty and I, so I approached Rusty with this idea, blah, 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 that I just went on about for, you know, too long. And then we, um, you know, we decided Sean had to be involved, and Sean was in some very cool hardcore bands. Yes. Most notably, Cold Sweat. I mean, yes. I'm, I mean most notably because, you know, that it's was a, probably the only one up to that point. Yeah, it was, uh, Besides yeah. Besides one called HIV. Right. Which I also released. The demo of, yeah. Or re-released. Um, with all, so that HIV is sex vid minus Judd plus Sean. Right, right. And that's a great tape. Um, yeah, yeah. I bet you could get on Discogs so if I don't get that. <laughs> But uh, but I was, we we both agreed right. We were like we need fucking Sean in this, mm-hmm. and um, and I just have these really great memories of like. Well, yeah. Even before Country Club, there was, I remember your first house with Sean. You you me and Sh- sorry Hans, your first yeah. house with Hans. Me you and Sean hung out and talked about theoretical like projects, noise projects we could do, and we just talked about I think like hospital productions and Bone All and all kinds of bands and. Uh, it was just cool because it was like it felt like at the time you know there was very few people that were into that and and anyway it's just cool be, it, but one thing I wanted to say about making country club Please. is I can remember it was I think New Year's Eve 2008 or something and you were like Rusty you promised me that we would make this project and I was like okay yeah yeah, yeah. and you're, and I was like I think we're all gonna party in a couple hours you're and you're still straight edge, so it's like whatever, you know. Not yeah. that you didn't like the party, but but like. Well, let me clarify. Like, I was a straight edge party. Yes, but. you were, but you were like, "Yo, you promised this promised, thing," yeah. and I was like, "Hmm, okay." And the first track that's on Pigs Unscathed was made. I remember like getting a synth and sitting with you and just being like, like some rough straw where I'm forcing the issue. I'm just like pumping it out, and it's one of my favorite tracks with the sample. And then you know we just kept moving forward. Although, and I I can say this as a person who loves how music's made um the uh my clan a pack of wolves track i had gotten too tired because i was being yeah. a baby right. and other reasons of people i was like i gotta go home i gotta leave right. and you and sean i think worked on which i think is one of the best tracks we have ever done that i had nothing part of side right. note i think it's, it's one of our best too but and and sean i think did you came up with like the like loop kind of thing he does that but and you know we didn't even loop it obviously it was he played it live to, like a synth part yeah it was it, it was just yeah he really did did that um the, you know, the pitch whole thing all live and was also and he did that crazy ghoulish screaming in the but back but it's like used almost like instrumentally totally um, and I, again we're talking at that point we're talking to like 25 people worldwide but i do think that's a really cool song i think that's yeah cool. i love it no it, and i i feel like it, you know, a testament to just being like, you know, in the band that you're in, you're like, oh, I'm lucky I can say I'm a part of this project. You know, that kind and of And again, vibe. that's how I feel about, you know, my band with Wade, where it was, where it was like, oh my God, you know, I, I well, can't yeah. even believe I'm here for this. Well, right. You know, that's, yeah. I, you know I, I would really, 
But I feel the same way about about Country Club, and especially if you think about live. Um, oh yeah. Without any disservice to you or me, I think Sean is. Yeah, insane. He's he's the, the front, front man, man, totally of all time. No, I mean as a person who's a singer in a band, I I love it when yeah. I can like kind of be the guy in the background, you know, who's like. Right. You know, I'm just saying, it's just interesting also, like, as a side note, doing noise, like, I don't know how to play guitar, I don't know how to play bass, I I, I can, like, sing, but, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, but, but like, um, it's always cool to be able to be the guy that, like, is kind of, like, backing things up as a side oh, note. Oh, yeah, I really liked when we played New York, New York, yeah. and, uh, and I, I really felt, like, you were like my rap DJ. You know, yeah, it was, yeah, a, it yeah, was yeah. a good. I was like trying to help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Balance everything. No, for it was everyone. really, it was really good. I thought, I thought, I really thought you rocked it. Oh, thank you, my friend. Um, okay, I think you know one thing that'd be cool to talk about is like movies and films. Okay, yeah. Rusty and, and I like movies a lot. And I think one thing that's interesting is we have we have many tastes that overlap, but I'm also kind of the guy that forced Charlie. And Royce to see, uh, was it Last, <laughs> Last Days, days. Yeah. in Houston? Yeah. Our friend Royce, shout out to Royce. Oh, we love Royce. A, amazing human being. Um, like I forced them to go to this movie that's not good. I mean, Last Gus Van Sant. Only, the only good part about this fucking movie <laughs> is that some, for some fucking reason, and big shout out to yeah. Gus Van Sant, who I really, you know, yeah. I'm not my favorite guy, but there's that whole yeah, Boys to Men video. We're just, it, if people don't know, it's like, it's like who's Sonic Youth people. Well, we're right, and then whatever. Some, but it's just funny because if you don't know the movie, there's just a part where like a minimalist close up of a TV, and they just play the entire. Was it? It's not end of the. It's I, it's either end of the road or I'll make love. To right, you. and I think it's I'll make love to you, and yeah. it just zooms in on the video, and I remember Charlie and Royce being it. like, "Things." At least there was well, one point of like a we break. Perked, or, we perked up. We yeah. perked up. We were like, "All right, got some." Right. And by the way. Tie this shit back together. That was at Greenway Plaza, oh, where Greg fucked around with oh, the American movie go. guys. And I just remember feeling like, man, my friends are good friends to not be like, get the fuck up, Rusty. Yeah, We're getting the bullshit. fuck out this of here. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When so, I saw Kurt's uh, ghost ascend on the <laughs> steeple, I yeah. was like, oh my. Yeah, yeah. It's just brutal. God. Um. So like, but I'm, you know, I've I've been always kind of into some pretentious artsy films, good films, bad but, films. And, but let me say, and again, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, uh, no. You know, I. Rusty turned me on to so many movies that I just, and what he, I think he's about to say, and I'll let him say, is that sometimes I'm into nicer kind of. Well, gen, you have your own vibe. Films, right? And and Rusty was always into, you know, kind of like, we always were both into transgressive culture, if that is even yeah, a yeah. thing. But, you know, you know, you would show me movies like La Luna or whatever, and right, oh yeah, maybe some, and some more like. And I think you you probably got like the canon you, you of Korean art film studied, type shit. Yeah, you went on the Harmony Korean. Yeah, who was a great Korean was like Cobain, right? Where it's like you read the Cobain thing notebook and you find out about whatever you know, raincoats. Yeah, and yeah. You find out about even Aerosmith is cool. You <laughs> right. Find out, you know. Right. But then, and then I think Korean was like that. And so you know, there's a, I'm not gonna watch a four hour movie about like some weird incestual. You know. Right. Right. But you would show it to me and I'd be and I would be happy that I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Totally. But I have slightly different taste generally, which I'll let you. Yeah, no, no. I just think it's interesting. I think it's like if you, if I like to name thing. I don't know what the name would be, but you don't. It's not like you just like romantic comedies, although you do like I romantic do. comedies. I feel like there's a kind of taste that's unnameable of films that you like. I agree. Is there like, do you have like some written yeah, yeah, down? Yeah. 
Let me. It doesn't have to be like this is your top ten. No, no, no. Or I'll pull a couple up and I'll just start saying them. Yeah, too. yeah. I'll just start saying them. I'll say, you know, I would say. The accidental tourist is a big one for me. Um, I would say hope floats. I would say um, wedding crashers. Wedding crash. I was tipping my tongue. Yeah. And you know, wedding crashers is one that people might not be fully in tune with, and also there might be some like, you know, naysayer. <laughs> and you know, ah, they're going. You know, they're they're lying in order to bed a woman. But um, I think wedding crashers is. Mm. I would no, say yeah. that is it's a movie I've seen the most of my entire life. And uh, it was like a go to I mean I love that movie too. It was like a go to movie. And and I think there's much to be said of, that really it's like this relationship between these two guys that are at like the top of their game in terms of like being a comedy team, whatever you want to call it. Dude, I just I just had a, a real thought. Oh yeah. And I think this this should be brought up. Uh so essentially the part in Wedding Crashers that where you know, um, I guess it's it's Vince that's kind of chilling on it, uh-huh. and Owen that still wants to go. Right? Is that right? Or um, the roles reverse is right, why right. I say that. But it it reminds me of um, when you broke Edge. Oh right. Okay. So this is a funny thing. <laughs> Rusty and I were like the last straight, straight edge, edge people, people alive. Right. And we were both cool as cool straight people. Right, you know, right. we were both at parties. We were both hanging out. Yeah, it yeah. Was, it was not a, you know, we were fun, fun people. But, um, but when Rust, Rusty broke edge before I did, mm-hmm. and a couple of years. Yeah, and I was mad, and I wasn't mad. You know, I wasn't mad at any of my other friends for breaking edge. Right, I was right. mad because I was like, we had this like thing, uh, avatar soul bond. Right, right. And then it's like. Now I'm the only motherfucker, <laughs> uh, especially that will go to a party. Like, you know, I have other strange friends. They won't go outside. Right, right. And I was like, oh, my God. He's no, going to totally. fuck it. And that's no, what I was yeah, mad you can connect. You can yeah. connect. That. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a film about friendship. You right, but, you know, oh, this is the part right. where Vince goes over to, uh, to to Owen's house after he's been forsaken. And, and, and he's like, you know, you haven't been answering my calls. This is Vince on the Yeah, yeah. And Owen's, Owen, Owen has a book on his on his little like end table it's like don't kill yourself oh, so, don't jump or <laughs> right, something right, and right. uh and he's like he's like vince is like you know Owen's, uh, <clears throat> you know vince asked him to be his best man is what at first right. they get down and he's like what's this book right and, you know and then vince is like what you be my best man i'm getting married yeah you know and throws him out right. and I, but anyways i it, it, that moment makes me recall um <laughs> this funny edge break moment because i, I was just like I'm fully alone now. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm full- I didn't last that much longer, guys. Well, yeah, I'm sorry I mean, to tell you. By the way, I mean, I think there's a reason I was probably straight edge, uh, side note, genetically, probably right. predisposed. But, like, it's just also interesting. One thing about the edge break, though, is the world we live in is so weird. Like, I remember I broke edge and, like, <laughs> Posse Rich, shout out Posse <laughs> Rich, this Austin dude, yeah, like, on know. this Texas hardcore board was like, I heard Rusty broke edge. Publicized. And I think you called me, like, I saw this on... The Texas Hardcore Board. No, that's not how it comes. Well, okay. Well, maybe someone else. Maybe yeah. someone else. But it's funny to think it was like publicized. Oh no! I definitely somebody texted me. I remember you were like Mike. Oh, Hamilton. it was like in the moment. Oh happened. yeah, yeah. Oh, I knew in the moment. Uh, it's also like funny to think about like boiling at home. It's funny to think about like <laughs> before I broke edge because this is like 2007. I remember I was I would was driving from Austin to San Antonio because I recently went to college in San Antonio, and 
I was really tired and I didn't usually, I was, you know, caffeine edge. And I was oh, like, Oh, yeah, Rusty so, didn't even drink caffeine. Yeah, I was like, Let's I'm know so that. tired. And so I drank a uh, monster. But the way I did it was, I remember I went to a gas station, got a monster, walked into the parking lot and like was like chugging it like a movie where it's oh like, Oh, that's it. I don't fucking. Anyway. Anyways, oh, I know what you mean. Those driving moments where you, I remember you would talk about having to. Scream or slap yourself. Oh away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to do that the other day. Lately, yeah. to because I'm really bad with the road hypnotizes me. Basically, like yeah. the like I, it feels calming. I want to fall asleep. My buddy Will Boone. I think he made an art show about it. Oh really? Called Whoa. Highway Hex. Well, I like literally to to I feel you. to stay awake lately. I've been having to put my lips in a weird formation, and was, <laughs> no one can see me do this, but I'll be like, oh. anyway, I'll keep me awake. I was but, watching, but yeah. Um. Okay. I so th- that's funny. I'll say. Here's, yeah. Okay. Here's, here's the thing to say is that my my driving that I've got going on now, uh-huh. I've got it going from my St. Louis to Atlanta trips. Oh whoa! You know, because that's like an eight hour ish trip, seven to nine, and um, and I was never willing to let anybody else really drive. Wait, could you? Did you have issues with staying awake? Oh no no no! I was just you know that's a. That's kind of a long drive. Do it round trip, and sometimes it would just be the weekend. But I, my point is, I would never let anybody else drive, so I would have to do it every time. Fuck. But yeah, he, staying awake, also just the hypnosis, even more than a sleepiness. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's weird. But that's where I've trained myself to be like. Was my hard about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what's it? Yeah, it's weird. Um, uh, I don't know if the Atlanta stuff's worth talking about. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about this. We can start it like that. We have an amazing story where Charlie and I got to see Kanye West. Oh, this is great. We like, should talk about this. So early on. Yeah, we what? saw Kanye on his first national tour, I believe. And it, it right. was, um, he only had called Dropout Out. You go ahead. No, yeah, he just, he opened for Usher in 2005, right. maybe. Totally, who we also loved. Yeah, I yeah. mean, because Usher at that point was on his Confessions tour. It was which, insane. You know, Rusty and I, I think we've always had shared loves of like kind of, not transgressive necessarily, but just, you know, kind of like, you know, the darker parts of culture. But we love pop well, music. Definitely love pop. And I'm yeah. saying we're not, I'm not saying this is some, you know, other people do this. But, right, you know, right. that was something we bonded over. Oh, yeah, and, totally. Uh, and I mean, so, it's still always fun to, like, play, I'll play, like, a Hillary Duff song with people in a car, and they're like, what? Yeah. The evil like, mommy. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but, uh, we, so we were into, you know, we were into Kanye early, and we loved the song Slow James featuring mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx, which I think made Jamie's career musically. Right, right. And, uh, and he said so. But, um, you know, we loved that song. We loved this early Kanye, and, um, and then he was opening for Usher. And I think, you know, even though I grew up on 8701 and the OG Usher that you got it bad. So right, right. You know, more of the... The '90s classic era, whatever you want to call yeah, it, right? Yeah, like boxers up to right, here, right, you know, right? But I that Confessions, Let It Burn, that you know, Burn Part Two, right. all that Confessions Part Two and Let It Burn, where that was like I think we recognized as somebody having their moment. Oh yeah, you know what I mean, it was insane. You and I both knew we were like, okay, Usher is having a fucking moment. Here. Yeah, and uh, and I think we felt the same way about Kanye. Right, and so Kanye was hoping for Usher on that tour, and I remember I got the tickets. Uh, I remember we were in a very far back row. Yeah. At a Houston, it might have been at the Summit. A giant. Which is now, I think, uh, Lakewood Church. Oh, shit. The Osteen Church. Oh, that makes sense. I, I mean, think that's where we saw it. And, yeah. Where I've also seen, like, Hakeem Olajuwon. You know? Right. But, 
we're in a very far back row. And Kanye basically erupts in popularity on this tour. And uh, and so he's only he still has like a 30-minute set allotted. But um, people go fucking nuts, right? Right. And that was very cool. But then Usher really crushed that. Oh, yeah. I mean, Usher that's the thing. It's weird. It. It's crazy to think like we saw Kanye where they were basically like, you have no budget. Yeah, You totally. have to literally yeah, you're play coming out of against sweater nothing. Vest, nothing. Uh, Usher's got pyrotechnics, Like couches. multiple stages with an elevator right. and totally. shit. Totally. That was the thing. It was like, we, I, we saw Kanye where... He literally just had a DJ playing a backtrack. And, he and just... what a credit to Kanye that he made the fucking most yeah. out of that. And then there's the story also where after the show you tried to get merch. Oh, this is a funny And you're like, do you have any mediums? Medium and they, the guy just laughed at they laughed. I like, just got I, I got no words back. Just right. laughter. And I, just laughed. <laughs> but I think you still bought a shirt. I think I did. Um, I think I did. I also once bought a, a Ghostface shirt. From Ghostface, oh, shit. when he played at South by, um, and I think it got lost, but I, but it was a promo shirt with a tour date or with a release date on the back, Whoa. and he was just hawking him off the front. Damn, like, he's like a true head. It's a great look. Well, okay, so the, I think that's a whole thing of like you, you know, had okay. some years. Yeah, what, what would and you I can, define I can, them as? I can tie this my Atlanta years. Yeah, yeah. And so I think I can tie this into the Kanye part because, uh, and I would like to say, you know, a. a gracious and you know beyond so a, a real dear friend of mine that I, you know I, it's like he i feel so close to this person we haven't talked in a while that i you know he's like one of us so right. but this a french producer named brodinski basically we linked up because of our mutual love of atlanta rap and i had already been doing this atlanta rap and youtube thing and uh, Where you like post tracks that you like right. and stuff and that were not already posted right and and by virtue of the first like 12 I posted then I would just talk to the guys right you know so I found this song and I don't know what year this was this was probably like 2014 or something mm-hmm. you know I find this song with Young Thug on it and I found a song with this guy Ola Play I like on it two different songs and I'm like from this guy named Young Stebo big shout out Young Stebo but I so I, I'm like I contact him and I'm like can I put this on YouTube he's in fuck it and so then after I post those you know these guys kind of just start sending me their songs uh-huh. And so by the time I moved to St. Louis, I'm getting kind of working on that, and I'm writing about this stuff as well. And uh, and I I kind of link up with this guy Brodinsky, who produced on Kanye West Jesus, um, on Black Skin Head, and uh, not on another song. And he's a really incredible French techno producer. But he um, and he already he what's in what's notable here is that he already knew more famous people than <laughs> I you know like right right he you know he was fine. But he kind of saw the way I wrote about stuff. He's, uh, I remember he, journalistically, the thing I'm most proud of that I've ever done, and I would encourage anybody still listening at this moment to go check it out, is mm-hmm. that my interview with Ola Playa. Mm-hmm. If you just search like drug money, Ola Playa interview. Um, but he saw that, and he saw that I had uh, transcribed it with every like. Oh, shit. You know, and every man. Right. Because, Which you're not supposed to do, I guess. But I, well, I don't know. But, you, you know, he, he saw the exactitude. He right, saw the right. meticulous. Right. Oh, right, know, right, Where right. I'm like, no, I think everything counts. Right, and I totally. Think I speak colloquially, too. I'm trying to do good right now, but, you mm-hmm. know, I'm well right now. But, I, you know, I, I understand. You know, so I think that stuff matters. And I went crazy. And I I even sent R.I.P. His manager was this guy named B.R. Bloodrich Gang Slim. And this dude was one of the coolest guys on earth. Mm-hmm. Totally respected in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Cool, you know, uh, you know, 
blood guy. Mm-hmm. He's dead. I can say that. Right. But I, and he was very, a, a really neat guy. And he he understood where I was coming from the from the jump. Right. He arranged the interview. He arranged the vinyl, which I still hope to produce. And he's like, he just got it. And uh, that guy died. His his wife killed him, stabbed him in the heart. Oh my god. And I was over there the night before, two nights, one, one or two nights before. And she made dinner. She made salmon. I ate it. I still Whoa. worry to this day. I'm like cursed by Whoa. it. But he uh, he passed, and he was. Did one she of go the, to jail? Side note. No, I think she claimed it was a uh, self defense. But, right. but I, I'll go on the record saying that that's not. You the didn't case. see this anything. A gentle yet. soul. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. Everyone knew she was the wild one. But I. Um, anyways. So I, I make all these relationships but just by virtue of like, okay, I'm posting your songs for free. And I always showed to people, I was like, I have no ads. To this right. day, I have no ads. And what I, you know. Right. Millions and millions of, you know, views. But I, I was like, because I never wanted money in, to enter the picture. Right. Because I, I wanted it to just it be becomes like, so complicated exactly. when that happens. Exactly. We're dealing with a thousand people this five people a song sometimes right so it was, i was just like no 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 we're never gonna do that we're gonna do this all for the you know and for the promo a couple of these guys are you know are, are pretty big now i would say yeah if Nate. anybody wants to listen to slime life shoddy mm-hmm. um that's a really i'd say that's a cool that's a really great um were you like basically like had put these tracks before these people were big at all right right and you know it started with young thug friends and then, um, well, and then the first big substantive tape I made there with my friend Brodinski was um, Young Slime Season, and which features some famous rappers now, like Slime Shoddy and this guy um, named Will Got It, and all kinds of people. But it was it was basically just like, um, you know, experimental beats from these European producers, and then kids that are so eager to rap that. It's just like let's fucking go, mm-hmm. and it was a, you know really cool stuff. I think. Hell yeah! Hold on, give me one second. I think the the dogs. Dog. I love Una. All right, cool. Well, yeah. I, so the Elena time for me was. Well, so say what you did. So you had a thing called Drug Money Records Drug Money that USA. was essentially a promotional. Sure. Slash. And, uh, yeah, and I, I guess for me it was mostly just like. I saw these people that were not quite on, mm-hmm. but were you know friends with these other people. And you, and it's because you love music. You love music. rap. No, right. no, no. I'm like these people need their own songs. Right. And so, you know, so I I was uh, I was in law school at the time, and I was like, all right, I just gotta go do this, I guess. And so I spent a lot of time in Atlanta, and I. Were you tr- like when you move, go to Atlanta? Is it during the school year still? Like, are you having? Oh, so I remember. Trying to, like, I remember. Shit? I remember it was me and my friend uh, R.I.P. Christo, who's a graffiti guy from St. Louis, and uh, I love this guy. So we were chilling and we were having a great day, uh-huh. and it was like we had a whole plan. We were gonna have this great night, and then my friend Guccio texts me. Guccio is this guy. He's free now. He's in St. Louis, and he's just like big boss man. Uh-huh. Right, and I had linked up with him uh, because he was managing local rappers, but also this guy Yaki, who's one of my favorite rappers ever from from Atlanta, and uh, and so we j- he just he understood where I was coming from, uh-huh. you know, and he even understood my anti capitalist approach. But right. he he was like he would always bother me about going to Atlanta, and when he linked up with Yaki, I was like, oh my god! So this is a rapper that um, you know has songs with all of your favorite rappers, Thug, Future, blah blah blah. This is a really you know, 
Oakland City very like anyone from Atlanta knows this guy. And I, I think to me, you know, I'm I think he's one of the best rappers ever. So when that happened, he was like, You should just come the fuck down. Mm-hmm. Come come down to Atlanta. And I was like, I'm in school, I've hate it, blah blah blah. And I was always, you know, broke, whatever. Right. And one time he calls me and he's he's like, Let's go to Atlanta. You said that uh, if I called you and I could make it work for you, we can go. Right. And I was like, okay, because I'm, you know, I have nothing. <laughs> right, right, right. I was with five dollars <laughs> or whatever. Right. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I got you. Right. Literally, so you know, my my lunches, blah blah blah. I was like, and again, that's how cool some people on, on earth are. Right. This guy's not getting anything back for me other than like residual because I love Yaki. You know, right, like right. But no, he's really just doing this. He Part sees a guy right. doing a cool thing. Right, right sees my in- intentions are honest, which is something I've always relied on right. in my kind of interactions there. It's like, I always, that's the premise of my approach with the rap stuff is like, because I'm sure there's plenty of like white, there's white fucking outsiders hustlers yeah. that are, that are like yeah. filling people's heads up with bullshit and people exactly. can see it from a mile away. Exactly. They're like, LOL. I, I promise nothing. Right. And then I'm like, but I can promise you studio time and an audience. Right. And, um, and proper presentation. Right. And so, you know, I, it really, so I, you know, I, the first time I went down there, so he says, all right, I got you. Mm-hmm. So I go and I get there and within, um, I drive all night. I drive their car and, um, how long does it take to go from St. Louis? It's like a seven to nine hour drive. And, um, and I hate driving <laughs> before, you know, <laughs> ostensibly I hate driving, but we go down there. We get in, you know, you know when you drive late at night and you get in super early in the morning. Yeah. Right. And it's that weird moment where you still have the adrenaline from mm-hmm. all that. And uh, I don't think I even posted anything. And within this is 2014, 15. This is an Instagram era. But within like a you know, 30 minutes, I get a phone call from an Atlanta phone number. Mm-hmm. And it's this guy Bloody J who's on par. You know, that's one of my five favorite rappers of all time. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not wor- to hate everybody out there, you know. I I, <laughs> I listen to rap critically, but I'm also open to new stuff. I think Willie J is in my top five, and um, and I get a call, and it sounds like him, and I was like, "What's up?" You know, and he, he's like, reveals who it is. I'm like, "Oh my god," <laughs> you know, and he's like, "All right, um, we're starting to make plans." I think it was a Sunday night or Sunday morning, whatever it was. And I'm like, what are you up to on Tuesday? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, what, if, what are you up to right now? And I was like, all right. For yeah, sure. Yeah, I yeah. was like, what? And so somebody else there had a car. And um, it was a St. Louis guy and gal. And we go down and um, it was in, in Atlanta. It was in Mechanicsville. Uh, and we go to we drive down to Mechanicsville. The place we were staying was this kind of like McMansion out in Gwinnett, uh-huh. which is where Migos are from, kind of a suburb. It's dope. You know, chill place. But then you, we go to Mechanicsville, a little wilder, and uh, we get down there, and I call Bloody J, and his phone's dead. Oh shit! Right, but we're outside of this, like I would say, forty complex, forty unit complex. So it's like you don't know where. But there was one. There was one apartment that was popping, like lights on. They're listening to rap. Right. Right, and. Uh, and the two people I was with, who you know, would say are a little more suited for the situation, were like, "Nope." <laughs> and I, but I was, like, no, we're not just gonna knock. Not gonna just door. go knock. I was like, "No, I drove down here." 
Like, dr- you know, because was it basically like fuck it? I guess we'll leave. Situation. Like I'm not, right, 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 exactly. And I'm like, here I am, basically renouncing this great pursuit. I of school, know, school, stuff. right? And then I'm like, I'm going. Right, you right, know, right. this is my guy. We're not gonna do one foot in. This is not bullshit. it. And I knock, and um, and literally two sticks point out at me. You know, two long guns. And uh, <laughs> no, or seriously? Oh yeah, right out of the uh, crack of the door, and I stood up on my tippy toes because I could see Jay's silhouette behind these people, and I was like, Jay, Jay, and oh. yeah, and he's like, Nah, that's Charlie or whatever, oh, and I was fuck. like, I was like, Oh, phew, and uh, and then I wave up the other two people. Uh, that part's funny because one of them said Kraken and got. And not in a bad way. Jay was, I think Jay was just like, you can't say that. Right. Uh, Wait, what? It's a crip. Oh, right, yeah. right. And, uh, and, um, and so we're all there. And I remember asking questions. I remember being like, hey, Jay, what's your, um, there's some great footage of him, like, kind of singing on the couch. But, um, I was like, what do you, you know, what's your favorite, like, non rap music? And, uh, I remember he said The Doors, which is not my favorite project, <laughs> yeah. but I love that he loves. <laughs> And, uh, and I remember, so Jay, love this, there's no way he'll hear this, but you know, big shout out buddy Jay, and when he got out of prison recently, he, um, I saw him again, also shout out Brodinski, it was, um, we released a project called Drug Money Worldwide, mm-hmm. when Mason did the art for, and, um, and I went to Atlanta for that, and they had a studio session, it was great to see him again, and I was wearing a George Strait shirt. Uh, that Scott gave me and I was like and he was like oh who's that and I was like oh this is George Strait he's like the king of Texas right mm-hmm. and he was like he was like oh country artists they're like the best songwriters and I was like oh my god <laughs> hell yeah so DJ's talking my language so yeah yeah um well how many times did you go out there so the first time that's a funny thing is that you know I had not full accepted that I was actually you know taking a minute from whatever I was doing and I was I was so I was like Gucci how long are we gonna be there you know, <laughs> and he was like, oh, at least a week. I was like, a week? Oh my God. And I was like, all right, I think I can make it work. And then a week came, and he was like, I'm going back. And I was like, I'm good. <laughs> and, oh, so you stayed. Oh, I stayed. Because, oh, so that was essentially the point is I get there, and within a few hours, Buddy Jay calls me. And then uh, the next day, I have this friend, and by, you know, I, I'm lucky to call my friend, but his name is Paper Trail 550. He's a rapper. And uh, he's an incredible rapper from Atlanta. He he went away during kind of his prime, or not his prime, but during most people's prime, mm-hmm. and um, and then came back, and really, you know, I was so I would release his songs, kind of, you know, I would put them on YouTube, and um, when I got there, I was like, oh, let's fucking go. And he was like, do you want to go to Future Studio? The, it's called the Bat Cave. Uh-huh. Future Studio is called the Bat Cave. And he's like, do you want to go to the Bat Cave? And I was like, oh. <laughs> I had been there again. I had slept for like an hour. And I was like. <laughs> Holy fuck. And uh, I was like, of course I want to go to the Batcave. So he grabs me, and um, and we go to Future Studio. And um, we go in, or, you know, you have to get let in. And, uh, you know, I released a mixtape with uh, Future's brother named Casino. So Casino and Paper Trail 550. Uh-huh. But 550 is my, my homie who's taking me. And uh, we're with somebody else. It might have been Black Migo, Sunny, someone like that. But we go to Future Studio. So I literally have been there for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, 
I'm a future student. You know, this right. This is my path. I'm choosing the right path in life. And uh, and this is kind of a funny story. Well, first of all, I remember playing ping pong with Casino and 550. But then Future is uh, is recorded. And I'm watching Future record. And I'm crying, basically. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm actually like. This is, yeah. I couldn't be more moved if I tried. Yeah. And uh, and I had this photo, this, this camera that my friend Sean... Balzell from from St. Louis had, had mailed me because he'd just seen mm-hmm. I guess I'd been there really, like a day or two because he overnighted it and um, and he was so he, he overnights me his camera pro camera but I don't know how to work it right? in low <laughs> it's light it's like one of those like DSLR it's things. DSLR and right. I love it it's an EOS something but it I just didn't know how to use it yet. yeah I don't I right would, and yeah. so we get we get to the studio Future's recording I just feel blessed to watch Future record right I'm like this is all I need it's just to watch but I approach 550 and I'm like hey can we kind of take a picture of Future, you and Future? And he leans over to Future, and Future is like, kind of weird. Shakes, shakes his head, and he comes over to me. Yeah. And he's like, hey, I'm just not dressed for it. Like, he's just mm-hmm. wearing a t-shirt. Yeah. And I was like, uh, okay. I mean, I was yeah. like, I feel very privileged to be here. You know, yeah, I yeah. didn't say all that, but I tried to communicate with my yeah. cowering eyeballs. You know, I was like, hey, I mean, I'm excited to be here. And uh, and it's funny he think he you can see he thinks about it for like thirty seconds minute goes out comes back in with sunglasses on he's like yeah yeah you got it man, you got it, man. <laughs> but yeah. here's the funny part though I didn't know how to use a camera <gasps> so you're taking a picture in low light without uh, an additional flash on top right it just takes forever right and oh, and so it's like so everyone's like what the fuck future was like you trying to take a video. You're trying to take a video? And I was like, not that aggressive, I'm joking. But, you know, he was like, are you trying to take a video? I was like, no, I just don't know how to work this goddamn <laughs> camera, man. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. So, yeah, the Atlanta chapter, huge, a million stories there. But, uh, you know, really great, incredible, formative times of my life. And um, I really stand by all the work that uh, I did with my friend Brodinski and all yeah. the rappers down there. Yeah. Well, okay, what? When did you you came back to Austin in like say 2018? Is yeah. That summer? Was it just like you had done what you'd come to do? You you. I think that was it. I mean, I anyway, we don't have to get tuned to it, but I think it's cool that it wasn't like some kind of careerist. Like I need to get to LA, get me like you know blah blah blah. This you maybe know, I, I ought know. to have right. But yeah, I yeah I came back here and it's been a brutal hellish absolutely. couple of years for everyone. Absolutely, and my friend that we talked about earlier in the band. Has passed away. Yeah. So, I've been making kind of black metal on my own. Very interesting. I was at Mitchell's yesterday. Right. And he kind of fills in the blanks on this song. That's really cool. Well, I mean, it's interesting to think that, I don't know, in the end, the kind of spirit of, of, you know, DIY never ends. Absolutely. And, but, I don't know, I think... um, in the future, one of the unnamed black metal band's records are going to come out, which is cool. One already came out. There's another one coming out. Yeah. Um, Country Club, we we got to do this triple LP box set plus a seven inch. I don't know. It's just cool to be able to like have all these things that we worked on for many years come to fruition. People like them. You know, it's sick. Absolutely. Um, it's, I don't know. It's one thing... It, that I think would be cool though before we end all this is to talk about movies again. I was gonna is, say yeah, yeah. I mean, is there some? Yeah, you have a list yeah, with you. I have a couple, a couple like 
list, and none of them are, are as pointed as they need to be. But okay, so we talked about Wedding Crasher. Oh, so I would say, you know, Hope Floats is a big movie for me. Yeah. Directed and I believe written also by Forrest Whitaker. Um, really, yeah. I didn't even know that. Right? Isn't that interesting? And he's from Texas. And, um, well, and Jamie Foxx also know. from Texas to bring Slow James back in. And um, if anybody wants a cool tip, you should go watch Jamie Foxx cover George Strait in front of George Strait when he was receiving a CMT award. Oh, shit. And it's really interesting because he not only performs the song You Look So Good in Love, he performs it perfectly, but he Whoa. also tells a story. He's from Tyrell, Texas. Oh, And wow. he tells a story about going to see George Strait and not being let in because of the color of his oh, skin. Oh, my God. And he tells him that. He tells George Strait in front of him. And That's then he beautiful. just eats the song. But, um... Well, like, okay, back to hope. I mean, I guess we're talking about hope. hope. For people that don't know or was weren't kids at a certain point in the '90s with romantic comedies, right. what's Hope Floats about? So it's a ro- it's a romantic comedy drama, basically about Sandra Bullock returning to her Texas hometown. It was filmed in Smithville, Texas, and she's returning to her town. She was the prom queen, but she comes back and she's been humbled by life. Her husband has forsaken her, and he's done it live on Ricky Lake. On the Ricky Lake show, over, and it has a, that's the opening scene is on the Ricky Lake show. Her best friend is running away with her husband, so she and her daughter Bernice, who uh, is played by May, the woman, uh, she's on Arrested Development, Parenthood. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah. Um, so she, that's the daughter Bernice, and so they go. Ha- she has to, you know, move back into the hometown. She's humbled by that experience. She has to go to the unemployment office. She has to. You know, she's dealing like true, with like, like have nothing to right, build to back up. Totally, and right. people are like, "You treat me like shit in high school," and she's like, "Oh, fuck, I didn't remember." So yeah. it's like this complicated. It is. It, it's a really dynamic, and I think that's what get gets lost. And mm. you know, I'm obsessed with Roger Ebert. Right. You know, I'm a. Yeah, we all love Roger. Sound like Ebert a teenage, here. but yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, we love Roger, but he didn't like Hope Floats, and I oh. wanted to argue with him. That's one point I always yeah. wanted to take up with him. And and he, one of the few movies he didn't like, I love, is Blue Velvet, side note. Also There's there, always a couple. My, yeah. Shout out Greg for showing me Blue Velvet. Oh, shit. I didn't, yep. He did? Absolute fact. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the first three DVDs we owned. And also... <laughs> when you're, like, a kid? Yeah. Or, you know, at that point, <laughs> like 13. DVD era, 13, 12. Oh, okay. So but but also, I you know, the, the one movie I wasn't allowed to watch growing up was Dead Ringers. Is the only movie probably because it freaked him out. So yeah, much it freaked, or something. And, and in retrospect, I get it fully. Um, uh huh. No, keep going. Yeah. But I, um, I don't know. So I like, I like movies that are, you know, again, I think we spoke to this earlier a little bit, where Rusty like, you know, would show me crazier movies that I yeah, needed yeah. to see, or you're not even crazier because sometimes it would be like a, you know, I don't know, Feline, you know, yeah, something yeah, yeah, that yeah. either. It doesn't have to be that risque, but some, you know, things I wouldn't watch on my own. Yeah, yeah. And whereas I always had a taste for, the, not just, and again, this is all shared taste. Right, but, right. You know, you would show me the crazier stuff, and I feel like I... Well, yeah, the other day you showed me this movie that I really liked. We watched it fully at the house. What movie was that? Oh, please tell me. It was the guy from, um, you know, who's the brother from Eastbound and Down, I think, was in it. Um, was it Randy and the Mob? That's a movie I'm going to say. Randy and the Mob, everybody, is is a movie that I think is is really worth a watch. Let me look it up. I think that might have been it. It's with... Um, yes, that's yeah. what it was. Yes. Okay, Randy and the Mob. So it has... Um, what's his name that was... Walton Goggins. Goggins, and then, who is one of the funniest people in the world. And, and then what's... Ray McKinnon is the actor-director, and he plays twins. Right. 
and I think Burt Reynolds is in it, and um, it's one of the funniest character comedies I think you'll ever fucking see, and nobody really yeah. talks about it. No, uh, it's amazing. I mean, do you want to say what it's slightly about? Yeah, so um, Ray McKinnon's in financial trouble, falls in trouble with the mob, and he has a he has a twin who's a gay man, and they're in a southern town, and um, and Goggins shows up as the as the mob um, like kind enforcer. of enforcer, yeah, and. I just think it's one of those movies that has the perfect blend of it's uh it feels like grounded comedy where it's like you know you feel emotionally tied to it and even when there's absurdity it doesn't take you out of that you know yeah you, yeah. you feel still feel like you're uh you're right in there and no I, yeah right I and think I, it's a great example of the kind of movie we're talking yeah. about which is like it's not what you define as an art film but it's a film that feels like a personal funny film like a i don't know like a country song that you yeah. just feel comes you, from somebody you know because i so i have a, i haven't my issue with comedies is when there's you're just too removed from it there's too much dissonance and you're like you're just making a joke or just like a parody or something yeah you're just right. you know you I, I need some emotional grounding i it's need not it just to an be airplane right you know, exactly i can't do it if it's just gags right you know people of step brothers or something i'm not right. mad at them but I can't. I can do old school. Right. And that's largely because of Vince's yeah, grounding Yeah, yeah, totally. Because I think Vince is such a really dynamic actor. And I mean, I think, and I think it also is interesting to say that I think a lot of the Will Ferrell classics are dying, like from the pop culture yeah. brain. And I'm not even saying like, oh, I, I never laugh once whenever I watched like well, Talladega Nights, but really... I'll say this though, for all of those movies, Will's parts are still the best. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like... It's like yes, fucking. I mean, John uh, C. Riley also. J- yeah. John C. Riley with Will Ferrell doing insane improv, c- literally is just more like watching people do amazing. It's less a movie work. than it is. But it, it's yeah. like gluing together narratives totally. so you can watch people do really funny right. improv. Whereas, don't you think in Wedding Crashers they showcase Will in the most perfect way? Oh yeah, yeah. The most perfect, you know, where the mom meatloaf, etc. Yeah. Where he's. He's there, and he bring and he brings but, the dark. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. He, they he, use that in the greatest. Let's be part. honest. Like Will Ferrell is at his best when he's this weird, absurd side character yes. that just is like yes. it's like a little taste that yes. fl- like in SNL and, when he's like the weird like more cowboy guy or whatever. I don't right, know, you know. Or, yeah. But I, I mean, it's just interesting because as a side note, like Will Ferrell, you, you know the director Adam McKay that directed Talladega Nights and Anchorman, all that stuff. They had like a production company together. G.G. Allen. No, 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 no. That's Todd Phillips. That's Todd Phillips. Gotcha. But they had the production. Basically, Adam McKay directed like Talladega. Oh, and no, all. they had a falling out. Yeah, yeah, and because, well, also it's funny those Adam McKay directed like, The Big Short and Vice, which are two of like I think the most like self, like smelling its own farts. Like Big Short's okay. I can I don't know. Big if Short you... I only liked because I like learned about this. Yeah, yeah. Thing I went like, through that I didn't know about. But yeah. yeah but no, those movies when are you watch to me. Vice, it's insane. It's like Caricature. people talking to you. Like, don't you? Th- anyway, it's just funny because the new movie that just came out. It's like Leonardo DiCaprio um, movie where it's like fictionalized version of like an end of the world thing, but nobody's believing the scientists. Like. Anyway, everyone, including, like, leftist people, people on the left, are, like, saying this is, like, the most, like, snarky, like, we, you know. Okay, I've got some movies I want to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about, uh, so we've talked about Crashers. I would say Near Dark is one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah. Let's get that out of the way. I think Cemetery Man 
Oh, yeah, um, yeah. That's a, a great, weird Right, and that the Rupert Everett aspect ties into my rom-com love because he, My Best Friend's Wedding was oh, one yeah. of my f- first favorites along with Notting Hill and uh, Four Weddings. Definitely. Um, I would say A Perfect World I really like. Oh, um, man, I saw A Perfect World as a kid. Like the when first day it came out, wow. and it, re- it really blew my mind. Also, for people who don't know, Perfect World is a Clint Eastwood directed movie with uh, what's the main Costner, Kevin Costner, and it's like a smaller film about like a. I might be getting this wrong because it's been so long, but like it's a, like Badlands with, with a son. Yeah, like a, a guy who's like a criminal. Some shit goes. He like takes a hostage. It's this kid and the kid and, and this criminal end up kind of becoming super close and like loving each other. And there's like a tragic ending. It's right. a really great movie. That's a great one. That's a, that's a great example of the kind of movies you love, which are their personal smaller films. Right. They, sometimes they get lost they from America's consciousness yeah. because right. it isn't just like, oh, this is a Clint Eastwood movie right. or whatever. And just, uh, I know, I'll, just even spitballing, I, I think Accidental Tourist, I think Big Night, I think like um, City Island, I think, um, um, I, I, you know, I'll say... You know, we always both loved Hoop Dreams, and we, oh, and then yeah. a funny movie to talk about. Not funny, but you know, Stevie was a kind of a, a big movie for us both, right? Oh yeah, so yeah, the guy that you know, Steve James, James who directed James. Hoop Dreams, which by the way, you know, uh, uh, the what's his name Ebert loves that right, movie. He, he, he was kind of like why the movie also blew up because he true. pushed it a lot. It's also a movie about Chicago and Ebert is from Chicago, Steve James is, but what's interesting is Steve James, well, he did direct a fictional like a regular movie that didn't really blow up knowing whatever, but the next movie he made that was a true documentary was a film called Stevie, which literally if you were like Hey, you know what my follow-up to Hoop Dreams is gonna be? It's gonna be about like a kid uh, that's a pedophile yeah, who grew it's up. A, if you know about the um, little brother, little sister kind of program, yeah. Yep. So that was it. Uh, you know, this was his little brother, or whatever. In I don't remember where, but he in like Southern Illinois. And so then before that, you know, after that, he you know he goes off to college, and this guy has these terrible things that happen. He basically, the filmmaker looks up what happened to this kid that he wanted to help who was like a troubled youth. Right. And the dude is everything bad happened. You know, the family fell apart. He became a pedophile. He's just not doing well. And the film just brutally looks at it and it's about him trying to really, I don't know, the guy feels bad. He feels like he let this kid down and the whole foster care system let this kid, this guy down. And it's a film that doesn't in any way try to like excuse the horrible thing this guy did, but it's a film that really like similar to how Hoop Dreams is looks at like socioeconomic and racial backgrounds of Chicago and how youths try to exist through the world of basketball, but also a film that loves basketball truly. Um, Absolutely. Uh, this is a film that really tries to honestly look at the system of foster care and adoption. It's a it's an amazing movie, um, it's and, just, and the accountability there is really impressive. Like to look oh, yeah. at yourself and be like, you know, did that, I let this kid? It's down? basically an anti vanity project. He's oh like, yeah, I mean that's know. that's the thing though. It's like if you were to say like, well, everyone loved Hoop Dreams. It was like this amazing American documentary, and you're like, well, Which, I'm gonna follow there it up. Is that like I saw recently? There was that I hadn't seen before. Bell Hooks. Oh, kind yeah. of criticism of Hoop Dreams. Yeah. I read it and I thought... This I haven't is... read it, but is it valid? It's like a... Uh, I saw where she was coming from, but I thought it was total bullshit. What was it? Just like, sh- this is an exploitative yeah, piece that tries exactly. to like... Yeah. Say like... Which, uh, in my opinion, that's tantamount to, uh, you know, without getting too controversial, I would say 
it kind of when I when I saw that it was I which again just because she passed the other day yeah, so yeah, I saw yeah. it. but uh you know I, I it reminded me of kind of like when people blamed Kim and Kanye for their interactions with Trump as far as getting Alice Johnson and all these people freed in the First Step Act mm-hmm. you know people were like oh you're doing you're giving him a good PR moment and you're like no what matters is these people these, these people got out of these prison peop- you know 100%. exactly yeah. and the same way like you know the Steve James and his it wasn't just Steve James you know he had those other guys and they you know the, they those families still get a residual in the right. trust and, I, and and it's a scholarship and it's a kind of beautiful thing so I think well that's I think there has whack. to be charitability I think yeah. I think because to me the film and is critical of the systems that it are in absolutely place. absolutely is. Because that one guy, you know, original recruiter guy gets roasted in it. Yeah. You, you know, right? You. Yeah, yeah. He didn't like that fucking movie. You know, the guy that originally draws yeah, Willie yeah. or whoever to, you know, he... I think it's a, I think it's just interesting because um, it's a film that makes people hopefully... You know, I understand that in some circles maybe people view Hoop Dreams as a kind of like, isn't this a great story? But to me, the, the film showcases these guys don't really make... You know, it's a much more complex movie. But anyway, I think, and I think it's interesting to say, like, well, what's your follow-up going to be? It's going to be, like, this totally brutal, one of the most bleak documentaries ever made. And it's like, you know. you know, I discovered that movie. On Video On Demand. Video On Demand, uh, which, you know, it's funny because Rusty and I have both survived, you know, these, we occupied a certainly, uh, you know, we occupied a certain uh, overlaying of, of eras, right? Like right. late 90s, early 2000s, and now beyond. And so, you know, we had VHS moments, but this was the moment where digital cable had entered the picture. Right. And it was a blue select screen. Well, right. That's what I'm saying. Like, my mom and your dad allowed video on demand to be right. ordered, which is a very privileged place to sure. be, I'd say. Sure. And you'd be like, these are, these, there's so many weird movies watch on video weird, on demand. Dude, the, the, I mean, I, and that's, I, it's just so. Like, know. I always tell people there's this French art film by Claire Denise called Trouble Every Day that Vincent Gallo's in. And it's literally like a vampire cannibal sex film. And I saw it on video on demand. Like, I. Like, you clicked, you clicked order 395. Right. And, and, and yeah. I think it's literally beautiful. it's like, there was probably just some weird, like, we bought the rights to this distribution deal. We're not going to like put this out on DVD. Fuck mm-hmm. it, whatever. Um, Which is certainly why TV was in that mix. Like, how do oh, you sell yeah. that documentary? Well, right. And it was like, what here, here we go. And and un- they unload it. Um, what Clint Eastwood movie were we talking about? A Perfect World. Perfect World. So I, I think to me, here's a movie that, that my father showed me that I think I'll put in my top three now is Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Oh yeah, yeah. With Jeff Jeff Bridges and uh, and Clint, and it's a Michael uh, Cimino movie. The same mm-hmm. guy that did Deer Hunter, and, and did Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate, and did. Um, I mean, those uh, are the two big ones. No, he did a cool movie with Mickey Rourke called Year of the Dragon. Oh yeah, of course, of course, of course. And but Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, I think, is like um, basically like a Wedding Crashers vibe. Right. As far as like, and also Scarecrow vibe mm-hmm. with Pacino. Yeah, yeah. And um, who who's the other guy in that? Not Pacino. See, these are movies that I have, like. If I've seen, I've seen them in passing. Or, right. Uh, I latch on to these friendship movies. So Fandango, yeah. that's a big one for me too. That's a UT Kevin Costner movie. 
where they their friend dies and they go to bury him in Mexico or they do they spread his ashes in Mexico, and they're a UT graduating class. It's a cool ass oh, awesome oh. movie that I don't think people have really figured out. Um, but um, the other person, Scarecrow, it's um, please look it up. Hold oh yeah, sure. I'm sorry. No, uh, no. Originally, Charlie and I wanted to do a podcast where basically we watch these Just films and then talk, someday we'll do another one. It's I, a good idea because. You know, we were. I think our premise was that we were going to recommend each other the movies. Yeah, like I mean, maybe we'll one, do some episodes. We should. Because we should. One, one you pick, one me pick. Yeah. That's how oh, it yeah, Gene Hackman. And Gene Hackman's who it is. I think Going South is on my list. That Jack Nicholson movie. Tell people, what's that one about? I don't think I've seen it's that. It's kind of just about a couple going crazy. Oh, but in shit. the Old West, kind of. And it's Nicholson. I forget who the woman is. Oh, I could talk about my... Uh, Recent Shelley Duvall encounter too. Oh yeah, wait, where did you? You told me about it, but so I saw Shelley Duvall at um, at this barbecue place, uh-huh. uh, in the hill country, and <clears throat> I guess the town she lives in, she kind of like just zips around. She doesn't really go into places, but just kind of people bring her the stuff out, right? And not in a diva way, but just she's that's just the vibe. Yeah, yeah she has some, you know some which issues. if yeah. you think about it, like. Well, any older person that's should what have I'm that saying. As like you a know, like my grandma would yeah. probably want that shit. Yeah, you know? totally, totally. So I don't, you know, I, so she pulls up, and, uh, and my my friend Will has gone to the post office, and I'm looking down at my food, and I hear someone holler at me, and it's her. And I'm like, oh my gosh, and uh, and I was like, you know, she, I think she wanted some food. She didn't communicate that to me necessarily. My friend Will's walking back to the post office. She's asking me what I ate, or I asked her what she ate, something like that, and it wound up with she was like, I was like, oh, I'm eating. I was like, what? You, oh, here's here's what happened. I was like, what, what what are you ordering? She was like, oh, I haven't ordered yet. I gotta send somebody in there. I was like, okay. Oh. And then I was like, I. She was like, what'd you get? I was like, I got brisket. She's like, what part of the cow is that? And I was like, I don't know what fucking part of the <laughs> yeah, cow oh, the, yeah. the brisket is. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, what? Good question. Yeah, actually. fantastic question. <laughs> And then at that exact moment, Will walks outside, and I was like, Will, what part of the cow is brisket, you know? <laughs> and he's like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. And she's like, well, why are y'all eating it? And what? Yeah, That's a no, good... She was funny, right? And yeah. then And then she was like, she was like, I guess that place um, used to be an old barbecue place. She was like, I was here like 30 years ago. <laughs> she was like, I got a brisket, and it looked like an accordion. <laughs> And she just stretched it out like this. Yeah, yeah, that's not a good sign. No, no, so, yeah, I right, exactly, for the yeah, meat. Yeah. But, yeah, it was just a moment where I was like, okay, if anybody ever thought she was crazy, wild, right, no, right. she's funny, yeah, quirky, yeah. Yeah. and just, like, a being su- cool. Te- now, that's yeah, Texas. That's, like, exactly. the best version of Texas. Exactly. And that's why, if anybody's asked when I've told the story, they're like, how'd she seem? I'm like, dude, if that was, like, someone you knew in real life, you'd be like, they're the best. Yeah, yeah, You totally. just thought they were fun. Yeah. But, uh, as a, as a but su- then she was, she, yeah, she was like, She's like, what do you do? What do y'all do? What? Yeah, and Will was like, re- reluctantly, probably was like, I'm an artist, yeah. you know? And and Will uh, graciously was like, and this is my attorney. And she looked at me and she's like, you don't look like an attorney. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, uh, I was also thinking about like other smaller movies. Have you ever seen uh, Fat City with Jeff Bridges? I don't you know, know I've never finished it. No, oh, I'm a yeah. Bridges freak. But see, that's a movie where it goes more from like an American kind of, you know, art film type thing. It's a good because I have other Bridges movies. I'm really Stacy Keach is in it, who's uh, always plays kind of like a he plays the like 
racist dude in American History X, like the old guy, the the Metzger, clearly Metzger yeah, guy. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Side note. Oh, Keech is funny. one of the best. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny to watch. Like I watched some clips from American History X the other day, where it's just Ooh, like I have to say something. Yeah, I've always had this idea for an American History X. When you, when you watch it and you see the basketball part, right, right, the whites against the, the yeah, blacks yeah, part. Yeah. It's, it's like, the only part of the movie where they show respect to to another race. Right. So I I've always thought that there should just be an American History X basketball competition movie. Yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Don't you think? Side side note, I don't know if you know this, but the guy directed American History X tried to take his name that off. That nut of it. job. Well, I love that guy because you he like that guy. he directed this documentary about abortion that called like a fire that's like the best documentary about abortion ever made but i've never seen it I've always, i mean I've, it's like really seriously i've you know, looked intense. up he's tried he's been trying to make this movie about a submarine yeah i mean i think but but it's just interesting because yeah. it's like op- they openly admit they let edward norton edit the film which he, you know whatever right. i guess yeah, let the actor but i think it's just interesting to think about like edward norton as like you know he he was like he grew as a leading man through the 90s and then you know kind of does his own thing anyway yeah. whatever he was replaced as the hulk side right. note um and then uh <laughs> it's just i mean american history x is like a meme film as a side note just we need uh, honestly though you know i think furlong was such a great young performer oh yeah 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 i mean he he uh he was a you know terminator 2 side note like oh yeah that was I, probably anyway. a big influence i mean i think rusty i think you literally had the haircut well, yeah, I want. I loved Terminator Two so much. I wanted that kid's haircut, which probably there's probably other people telling that story because you know. Oh no, it doesn't have to be unique to be special. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had it right, and so I. I mean, I. I but I'll, I never had the haircut, but I do remember watching him, uh, you know, rob an ATM slash arcade and then flee on like, uh, you know, a scooter or a motorcycle oh, yeah. with like a Public Enemy shirt through the L.A. River yeah. and thought, okay, this is the coolest kid alive. With Butnik from yeah. Salute Your Shorts. Yeah, you know, my first memories are watching Terminator 1 and 2. That's when my mom was still alive, um, like when she would leave, my dad and I would walk, pop, like, it on, pop it on, even in. for like a five second. minutes. <laughs> yeah, just to be like, oh, let's do it. Uh, is there any other films that... I mean, do you have a film that you think is like, you know, your top, a movie you can always watch? As, as I guess, Wedding Crash. But is there like, for me, it would be like capturing this. the Freedmen's. Uh, oh wow, we used to love that. Do you remember watching that movie at Sam's house? Yeah, yeah. It's funny. Capturing the Freedmen's is like a kind of precursor to like serial or something. Where right, like, right, 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 like, right. Documentary, yeah, true crime obsession. For people that don't know, Capturing the Freedmen's deals with a family who the father did. Um, was caught with child porn, of course. This, and he and, taught a child's computer class. Yeah, and the kids, during, it was kind of McMartin era hysteria. People said maybe he had touched the kids, but there's no proof of it. And it's it's a weird movie because it's like this guy is a piece of shit. He is sure. a pedophile, but looks like his son, who got roped into the case, was innocent. So it's like, do you does the innocence of somebody that's guilty of something else matter and it's it's a really interesting case but the document the dvd of it and this is like 2004 so had like an entire part that was like interviews and more information that was very much like a precursor to like you know what we would define as like uh serial or other true crime things that are like zeitgeisty anyway just as a side note but that's a 
But uh, yeah. oh, so I was I was gonna. We tied. We already talked about Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. Yes. I would say. Um, oh, we're we gonna edit this part. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like a movie that. I'm trying to think of my other. Oh, you know, I I think I you know I really like um, I really like. River Phoenix mm-hmm. movies specifically, I think, I Love You to Death is the one that I oh, just thought yeah, about yeah. as far as falling into that category, because that's a movie with Kevin Klein and. So it's, really, it's not necessarily about like f- watching a movie. Or it's about I think what's interesting is you love archaeology and finding movies. Like, absolutely. how do you go and find a lot of these weird movies that people don't talk about? That's a great question. Is it like following actors or directors? Definitely, it's an IMDb situation. Yeah. And and I had a whole year where I swore off IMDb, <laughs> and this is a long time ago. This is, you know before people were like looking at their screen time. I was probably two thousand eight nine, but I was like I realized that every argument I had or an argument, but was query was like, what other movie were they in? Oh. And so I took a whole year off ish from IMDb just so I could solve that in a more like. What, you know, like, I'm not going to just, I'm going to watch the film. We're going to hack, no, just a, if you're like, what other movie were they in? You have to hack it up. Oh, whoa. It's like it. the, because that's like the joke of like, if you watch Seinfeld, someone's like, who played oh, blah, yeah, blah, blah right. in a movie? And they actually had to like argue about it. Whereas, you know, our generation just Googles it and there's nothing fun about that <laughs> really. Like, you want to bet who like played, you know, Willow and Willow and <laughs> like, like, oh yeah, it was this guy who played the Ewok or whatever. I would Warwick say Davis, and I would say other movies. I would say uh, I really love City Island, that in that guy. Wait, what's that? The guy, this guy made City Island, just a movie about like a family, mm-hmm. and he made a movie called a uh, Two Family House or Four Two Family House probably, and I guess I really love a human story, emotionally grounded, yeah, totally, comedy um, story. Well, hell yeah! I'm trying to think about. That's so imprecise. What else? Well, no, I mean, I think it, that's what's hard sometimes to, to like define a genre or something. But human personal stories right. that contain that at times can be funny, but also like tender and yes. Um, it's also interesting because it's like I don't. Th- I think we can all watch horror movies, but I think it's interesting. Like, there's a you know people there's like the nostalgia for like horror, which isn't a surprise, is like right. this giant thing that exists in the world and i think it's interesting that like people like us that love like subcultures of like black metal or noise or whatever we aren't necessarily like going to horror conventions Just, right, right. i mean i made a texas chainsaw massacre shirt the other day we like i love horror, but, but the that's classics, not our exclusive but I, it's hard for me honestly as a side note to like people will be like watch this film on vhs and i have friends that love that shit no hatred to that it's just what works for you doesn't work for me sometimes. The campy movie sometimes. Or I'll watch a movie, I'm like, this is just a bad movie. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Which, granted, I'm sure someone could watch a movie I love and be like, this is just a boring, shitty right, movie. Right. So, you know, whatever. But uh, it's funny to think about, like, you know, I'm sure... Yeah, I mean, you know, there's not a subculture for Randy and the Mob. Yeah. There's not, like, a cult force. There's not a cult push just to say, like, everybody should watch Randy and the Mob. Yeah, yeah, in although fact, maybe that should I exist. believe you could Google, I mean, I'm not saying I'm a special guy, but I think you could Google, and 
and not find a result for a real critical review of Randy and the Mob, I think that's one of the funniest movies. So, well, there you go. We need to, like, maybe yeah. we could do a thing where we talk deeper right. about a couple of these films. I think that would be cool. And anybody listening, I would say, watch Randy and the no, Mob. No, it's amazing. Crack up. Yeah. Um, I think maybe it's cool that we didn't talk too deeply about black metal because, you know, keep it sacred. Sure, we could get in there, but yeah. I mean, all I can say is I think, uh, you know, once I read an interview with someone that said, like, I don't want to mention exact bands because I, I think that's good sometimes. You yeah, know? I think that's the way to put it. Um, you know, too much of uh hey, I'm on Instagram. <laughs> I My label does plenty of stuff on Instagram, you know, but sometimes we all have to... Def- create a line anyway um i guess uh i'm trying one thing we didn't talk about you know we're, we're wrapping this up but it's funny to think about like touring total abuse went on many american tours there's all kind of right i think it went on all but one or two or... yeah like hijinks that that occurred um i mean i guess in the end it was always just like hell like brutal hellish funny times um is there any we oh, well, I've got my favorite. Yeah, probably. okay, what is it? And, you know, my favorite's probably from the latter day. It was probably from maybe the last one that I was on. In, like, 2014. Yeah, and it was uh, at a club called, was it called? And I'll, let me specifically call out, I think uh, the bartender's name was. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so Total Abuse is playing the gig, and I was DJing, you know, as, shout out my friends for letting me, you know, play all you know my rap songs before or whatever and uh and this guy comes over as i'm playing a future song and let me paint the picture it's underground basement fog lasers it's not like i'm bucking you know it's not like i'm like going against it's a goth night yeah but i was but... like how, you know how cool is it i'll play future turn on the lights and this is back then it was a new song and it's you know, it's an underground... You know, it, it felt right, and nobody... I looked at, you know, the dance floor. And keep was, in mind, on the tour, you were bu- billed as our DJ. You were DJing right. shows. It was billed, and, right. we, you know, we did that every night. And and I play... I start... I get 20 seconds of this song. This guy... He comes up to, you know, the booth, and he's like, No, this is not happening here tonight. And I was like, What is not happening here And I really was confused. I was like, It's going over well, like... It fits. It fits. You know, we're in this laser fog zone. Turn on the light. And I was confused and not confused because I saw where he was coming from. I was confused on the inner level. And I was like, all right, uh, no, you know, no. He was like, unplug it. I was like, no. I was like, you're the angry guy. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you unplug it, angry guy. And I'm already like, you know, a few free drinks. And I was like, fuck it. <laughs> you know, you go. And he's like, no. I was like, you unplug you know. the rap. Yeah, you unplug the rap, and I made him say it too. He was like, "Play what?" I was like, you know, I was like, "What do you want?" Not you can't play, play rap. black music, and uh, and so he unplugs it, and the the girl who was playing, who was she was super cool, but she was playing Macronympha, and I love Macronympha yeah, yeah. for the audience. I love Macronympha, but listen. I'm out on a Saturday night. I just don't know if that's what I'm... Right, right. Know? If we're going like, to di- like say a club can play Macro Nympha, which literally has right. no rhythm or beats, totally. but can't play Futures insane. And I saw it on our virtual DJ. I saw it. And I was like, <laughs> I l- approve of your decision, but I'm like... The hypocrisy Why insane. can I not play right, a goddamn right. rap song? Uh, so... Okay, well, I think it's a good story to end That's on. That's a good one to end um, on. Charlie will be back. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, man. All right. 
Take it easy. Good night. See ya.